Good evening, good evening, good evening. Let's get into another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Gentlemen, how, how are you? Well, let me start off with I'm happy to be around this new year. I've witnessed a couple of things and things are looking well. They're looking up. Doc? This is a pretty interesting podcast. I'm in the middle of SWAC and MEAC Monday in terms of some basketball games going on. So we should have some final scores on the women's side, certainly in the MEAC. And you have some final scores trickling in on the women's side as well in the SWAC. As while I'm doing that, I must be honest to the podcast list, I have my little iPad set up. So I'm have an update and watch the game. Well, two teams you won't have any swag scores from one on the women's side tonight because they're off. They played this past Saturday at Inside H and PE Arena. We're talking about Texas Southern and Prairie View. Women and men had a double hitter. And it looks like as if Texas Southern and both on the men's and women's side have a well deserved day off. Some may argue. But they the men and women's side, particularly the men probably need today to practice yes but i'm yes. not sure if it's actually in terms of to be honest with most people i'm not sure if it's really a practice thing if you would in terms of getting more better at your craft which you always can do at that level but i think at this point it just looks like texas southern um, is running on all cylinders after they played out the first part of the season and they just like they're geared for swat competition and our heads and heads and shoulders above the rest of the crowd, if you would, in regards to just how talented they may be. Obviously, the next key thing for Texas Southern that'll be interesting is their first three games were at home. So in that framework, they did what they're supposed to. They won games at home. Obviously, what we're talking about in a lot of ways is how they dominated that. And so it'll be interesting to see if they can take that on the rope and. Um, where most people in the SWAC suggest if you split on the road, you're doing well. We already know that uh, Texas Southern wants to win those games on the road and sweep in those cases. So I think that'll be the first kind of real test to see where will they be moving forward. So I'm really intrigued about what they have next Saturday as they enter the road and they do the Jackson, Mississippi and Grambling State road trip. Texas Southern will be at Jackson first. And then move back to Louisiana, go to Grambling, and go through there. To give you a little update on why I say that becomes a little more intriguing, Jackson State and Grambling won their first two games on the road at home this year. So they were 2-0. They went on the road uh, as Jackson went to Alcorn and Grambling went to Southern. Grambling was defeated by Southern, while Jackson State by won. By five points, I think. Yeah, relatively close mm-hmm. game. So it looks like Grambling has... Uh, at least in conference play, improved quite a bit from a team that just a couple of years ago were on a 23-game losing streak. So that's something to keep in mind. But to give you an update tonight, um, you have Jackson State and Southern, and that game is just tipping off. So that's one that you want to keep your eye on. Jackson State comes in at 3-0. and So that gives you some indication as uh, Southern was able to get a win again against Grambling. So they uh, snapped their two-game losing streak. So they're 1-2. So it'll be intriguing to kind of see where these teams start to stand up and get some things done. So I, I'm really getting into some basketball. 
I know a lot of people, once they'll see this, they'll be closing out on their football season, at least at the collegiate level, getting into the playoffs of the NFL. And I'm sure we'll get into a little conversation about that later as a local team wasn't able to get too much went get too much done. In fact, they couldn't even get on the scoreboard. Zero is a point, Doc. Zero is a number. It's a whole number or something like that. What is it? Zero is what? Infinity. Zero is a number. Is it, a, it is certainly a number. They got that it's on the not, board. <laughs> it's referred to as a, as a rational, I mean, irrational numbers, a yeah. rational number. So and most people would look at it in terms of the whole numbers framework. But uh, Yeah, Texas got whitewashed 30 to nothing, but – Wildcat and I. Not what I was thinking about when I said they didn't get on the board. Oh, I know so what you I mean. Will, yeah, okay. I'm just throwing. I will stand. I'm but, ready to throw, <laughs> throw, throw, <laughs> throw some rocks. I will say said, this now. I'm ready to throw some rocks. I'll put it this way. That goose egg started on the scoreboard mm-hmm. at and zero finished there. and ended. <laughs> Two things, and then we'll get to what, what KJ and I witnessed on Saturday. I finally got a real an explanation of what was immediately thought and what the kind of game are you coaching out there uh, on Saturday afternoon? Uh, the first one was... <laughs> wow, <laughs> the, you got one of those calls? Oh, no, I had a conversation. The person made show says, hey, man, I'm going to come and get you after, after work. And uh, nice. we're going we, we're going to drink it because you're going to need something. First of all, his biggest question was, why could you not get in a position to kick a field goal? You, it was almost like... You and you, that was an afterthought to everything. Then number two was the, the, your I mean, it's easy to say why they couldn't get in position. Well, they were in position because they got one. turnovers. In fact, they looked like they were going to get on the board from a touchdown. Which you had a quarterback that threw four for the game and one that was I'm, really I'm getting, I'm in scoring that part. position. I, I'm, and I'm the key that. thing about it is you dig deeper into this conversation. The fact that that really had a long way to go, at least emotionally. Yeah, but it was just thirteen zero. And, and at that's the time. where I, that's where I'm starting at right there on that particular one play, because what set that up was I think was a forty nine yard run by Alfred Blue. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Then you call a trick play. Well, that's I think the, that tells you a lot of what they really think about the quarterback. I mean, he and knew that. And, and now that is a scary situation because you caused that problem. I guess. It, I, yeah, it, it, it is from because, that standpoint. But, but, he did cause that. But, but, it is a you problem, as you said. He caused that problem. But I think if you really are honest with yourself and the Texans, and I'm not sure that they want to be at this point in time, is the fact that one of the reasons that the Texans were able to make the move they were is the division they were in. They True. Were back Everybody talked about that, too. In terms of not playing really solid teams that had winning records. Only, only now, they did, to their credit, what they're supposed team. to do or what they could do is you win games against people you're lined up against. So they got that done. But if you really take a step back and you look at it, you say this team was able to take advantage. Another team that so the Texans won't feel alone. If you talk about the Washington team, and I refuse to use the nickname, the slurs, uh, with that, is that they also were another team that took advantage of the division. And although people just looked at the fact that you had a quarterback that had this record uh, completion rating, I was uh, disenfranchised in a lot of ways and tried to communicate to people that I just didn't see them as really their talented when they played teams that have kind of went to battle, if you would, and battle-tested. And I think those are two games that really showed up in a lot of ways. And these teams were at home, but when the rubber 
hit the road, they couldn't really produce where it needed to be, and that was in the playoffs. Gentlemen. But G- gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Go ahead. We're spending too much time talking about football, playoff football, with two bad teams were in there because they were in bad, bad divisions. And we got three college teams. I want to get, I want to get, get back to talking about basketball and TSU, Prairie View, and U of H. I agree with and, you. And, 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 and thanks for you. To, su- to, sum up, to sum up, the R's and the Texans lost better teams. They yeah, were exposed, pretty, they, and yeah, that's it. We can close it out right moment. there. No question about that. All right. Yeah, all, now, this, all this talk before the game, page. Aaron Rodgers is not as good as Kirk Cousins. Have you lost your freaking mind? End of discussion. Aaron Rodgers proved he's better than Kirk Cousins. Yeah. All yeah. day, every day, all day on and Sunday. And, and, you know, and did it with please. a smile on his face. Thank you. I mean, let's, let's, come on now. He basically said, hey, let's make a play. Let's just make a play. And everybody, everybody's quarterback can't do that. Can't walk out and feel so let's make a play. Am I now, wrong? As you said, we get back into this Texas Southern game. One thing that we didn't give kudos was on the women's side. We told you that both teams won. Right, right. But on the women's side. Kiara Vines. Yeah. Keanu Vines. Just went off. Hey. 29 points. Keanu Vines. Big girl went to work. Chris, what was, what was Coach Sherry Cole's statement at the he end said, of the Keanu We got Vines the biggest person on the floor, and we can't get the ball to him. 13 for 19 from the floor. Nice. When you can put the ball in the post (coughs) like Coach McKinney did one night, scream night from a a coach's stuff, you you, got to feed the post at some point. You You got to feed him. You would would like to feed the post, but let's open up the game. The game has changed a lot. One, you really don't have a lot of post people that have this skill to do it. And the ones that all have the size, they tend to play on the outside. So in a lot of ways, this was credit to everybody involved. And doing what this they were able to get. basketball. Yeah, playing very good basketball. What, and it was homage to what you're saying going back old school. Hey, which is a beautiful thing. Hey, Pray, and I'm going to tell you. Had, has, won't have this season an answer for, for Keanu Vines no. when they play again on the hill. Yeah. She'll still they be have six to be careful four. with the turnovers, though, because it's oh, a yeah, different yeah. environment uh, down uh, there. Coach, matter of fact, Coach and mentioned you that. I think and they're going to make some changes in terms of fronting some of that. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see if. What changes both? Oh, they'll have to make some adjustments. Yeah. They'll have to double teamers, uh, different angles, three quarter hair, whatever. Yeah. Guard play. The TSU did a good job of high low action. Yeah, something they couldn't get done in that game. So TSU did a good job winning that ball game by seven, I believe. On the fellas' side, Doc and I said last week the game wasn't going to be close. We didn't see it being close. Robbery or not, it ain't going to be close. It wasn't close. No, it wasn't. But the kicker to the whole game was you and I by the Three minutes left, three or four minutes left to go in the game. We looking at each other and saying they may not get fifty, and then it gets closer than all towards. Well, I the, said they wouldn't get forty. You know, but and it, they didn't get a forty. They, now, that I witnessed a lot of game between the two of them over time. That was the first time I saw a dismantling and discombobulated team situation late. No, I, I've seen it when uh, maybe was I guess. It's, Three, four years ago now with Harvey. Harvey beat him up pretty bad, 35. He's had some terrific losses to, especially in this gym, to Texas Southern since it during his tenure. Uh-huh. Um, I, in this case. Well, I'm talking about that you know, I witnessed. Right, I, I, I understand I, I, that. And I'm just saying, I just wanted to put okay. it out there that this was bad, but it may not be the worst one out there, which in a lot of ways is sad. But when you further look at the numbers, I think in this case, as we said, it was expected. You, last year was the team that got it done at home. They had four seniors. So you would have had more concerns if this happened to that team. This is a new team. This is a team that people not realizing uh, 
as of last week, I think they were shooting in probably, I would say, unless they really got hot, which we hadn't seen it against Southern when the game they won, is they were shooting the lowest three-point percentage in the country. This team can't shoot. And they were one for 15 Saturday against TSU. So that continued. They they're not shoot. very good on the defensive side. They hustle and play hard, but they're not very good on that side for the most part from the standpoint that they can't cause turnovers. So if you can't shoot, can't cause turnovers, you're in trouble. I think he did pretty much – Rim did what he thought he had to do in that game, and I'm not sure if he had much other choice, is that he tried to spit up the tempo of the game, hoping that he'd get some turnovers, meaning he would get some easy baskets. But I think Texas Southern, to their credit, are too talented, and they end up just giving a dunk fest and layups. Yeah. Uh, was- thing, and after that, the game just gets out of hand. I just don't think he had many answers. He just slowed the game up. He'd have lost that game, too. Maybe not as ugly. Uh, but from that standpoint, he wouldn't have been able to shoot with them. Well, well I got I, I, it was on my on the Houston Round Bar View blogs. I have a summary of of uh, both games, men's and women's games. You can go to the men's Who's blog and check it out. TSU winning six to four, thirty eight. Great summaries, y'all would love to read that if you really want to get a or oh, thank a you, great sir. Picture of the game, and then uh, and, and let's let me say let me acknowledge this: the attendance. The announced attendance was 5,287. Not what we said. 5,287. Significance is what? U of H. There you go. U of H said on last podcast that the game against Tulane, I challenged my alums to buy tickets and get your butts in the seats inside Hoffman's Pavilion. Y'all are riding that euphoric high of the football team. And I challenge you to be there in Hall Fines for the men's game versus Tulane. The announced attendance, the announced, trust me, it was announced. It was about 3,000. No way in hell there were 3,000 folks inside Hall Fines for that game. The student section, you know, school's out, was about half full. Mm. But students TSU, TSU Prayer View Saturday, school was still out. And they were in the house. And they were in the house. So I once again I am challenging my alums. Y'all talk about you want to be a big time athletic program and more than just football. Men's basketball is thirteen and two. They are they are with tied with, with SMU as being undefeated in the American Athletic Conference. So if you want to talk about it, be about it. You gonna talk that talk? Walk yep. that walk. But I also said that the game, U of A Tulane game, would not draw as many folks as TSU Prairie View. It didn't. So, it's about 2,000 short. And you know, so, the worst part about that is, HBU may start averaging a lot more fans in, a, in, a, in their arena, in that little, little small place, than U of H at some of the games. No. Put a, no. A, on, the, on the women's side. No. Especially. What does that mean? That that means that they, ain't nobody giving that ain't nobody giving a damn, and nobody over that gives a damn. What? Period. What? What does that mean? I mean, Sharp Gym. What is the capacity of Sharp Gym? Uh, yeah. Is it that really? Yeah. Nothing's but well, at least they yeah, yeah, not that they because they did. Uh, they, you know, they was playing before in the earlier days where the seats are on the on the around one bucket was right. a uh, platform was a uh, platform. Right. Now that's that's that seats are not included. So yeah, that's about right. But. Uh, if we're gonna talk about women's basketball, HBU Huskies are better than U of H. 
in women's basketball. And that's a scary thought. No, that's a fact. That's not a scary thought. <laughs> that is a scary that's thought. That's not a scary it, thought for who? Your damn Cougars. That's not, that's not a scary thought. That's a fact. If, if they choose to be frightened by it, by that fact, then that's on them. That is a what? That is a you problem. Yeah. Now, let me say, I was there Friday when it was pouring down rain at in Houston when thunderstorms were blowing through. UConn was in the building. Number one team, UConn, was there, and UConn Nation was in full effect for Houston. The announced attendance was about 1,000, 1,200, maybe whatever. This says Sharp Junk Pass is 1,000. So we, gotta, we need Coach Finney, who listens to our podcast, and thank you for the support, to yeah, send me a message and give me a capacity actually, of the renovated, well, updated yeah. Sharp Gym. And hopefully one day before we all die, they'll have a new basketball facility. I'm sure they hopefully. will. Hopefully. They've been doctored they've been that for 20 years. I'm sure they will. 20 years, yeah, at least 20 years. Two, two, two things, are, two so, things yeah. are working in our favor for uh, renovation, uh, sports facility renovations over there. They got a president that cares. One. That's start. And, and they got, and two, they've got some donors that, that alumni donors that's, that's starting, to, to, starting to, starting to come back and, and those do are some two things. key components. Football did a lot for bringing those people back. Yeah. Athletic department. But uh, HPU women, uh, they coming off a win. On Saturday over Southeastern Louisiana, 64-56 to improve the 2-2 two two in conference. But I want to backtrack to the U of H-UConn game because first time this season, as far as we know, any of us in attendance know. <laughs> That's true. UConn trailed at the end of the first quarter. And I, I still ain't figured so that out, even if it after was explained to me in detail. Yes, that's right. It was explained to me in detail. Listeners, if you could see the look on Doc's face right now, the disbelief <laughs> on Doc's I, face. I, that is a red alert. They trailed 15 to 14. They were actually down 15 to 8. The Cougars played their best ball of the season for about five or six minutes. Then reality set in, and UConn started making shots. UConn started playing defense. They went on a 6 0 run to end the first quarter, then another run in the second quarter, and pretty much the game was over at halftime, as we all expected it to be anyway. And UConn, you know, I thought they'd win by 60. They didn't. So. The Cougars had a moral victory. Compared to what the way they beat up on Tulsa by 60. So, you know, the Cougars. <laughs> so, yeah. They, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a little improvement. That's yeah. all it is. Just a little improvement. I but mean, it's but it's serious when you look at that. You have to look at those. Yeah, yeah you have to take it from get. Because as you said, they, it's not like they're not beating up on other teams like that. So, And kudos to senior post Tyler Gilbert for U of H who uh, had a great game. And even Coach Oriyama acknowledged it after the game when I asked him. Yes, I asked him the question to get his uh, thoughts on Tyler Gilbert. And you can go to the Women's Hoops blog or you can go to U of H Cougars blog because they have the transcript of uh, his, his Coach Oriyama's comments on the website there as well as HoustonRombardView.com and my blog. He commended her for He commended Tyler for her game. She had 16 points, 8 rebounds against UConn. Mm. Okay? That's... That says a lot right there. 16 yeah. and 8. She was 8 for 13 from the floor in 36 minutes. She had two block shots, two steals. So she had an outstanding game. Now, gentlemen. I'm listening. Sunday afternoon, U of H played SMU at Hall Final Pavilion and lost 50 to 48. Let me see how 
Tyler Gilbert did versus SMU. Well, take a guess. Do you think she went 16 and 8 against SMU? I don't think no. so. No. I don't think so. Somebody was prepared. She had she went one for six. Six points, two blocks in 31 minutes. That's a lot of time on the floor. Post player gets only six touches Ooh. after coming off 13 touches against UConn. Now. Where you're starting, I'll call her your point guard, transfer, took 19 shots. Yeah. It's just me now. It's just me. That's a locker room problem. Yeah, some issues in the locker room. That, that's a locker room problem because at some point you got to grasp that that didn't just happen the other night. You had a, a what, 24, 48-hour turnaround? Yep. That didn't, just, that didn't just happen the other night, the night, a couple of days before, against UConn. And now she doesn't touch the ball the next game against a lesser opponent? And trust me, everybody else in the, in the American, they are a lesser opponent compared to what we know about UConn. And she can't get her hands on the ball? Rocket, everybody is, is a lesser opponent compared to UConn. But, <laughs> Two on down in rankings is a lesser opponent compared to but UConn. That's true. But, I'm, I'm, but my point is. I understand your point. I agree. She, your post player can't get her hands on the ball. That needs to be <coughs> addressed in the right way as a coach. And, 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 let I'm, me, I'm, I'm, and I'm saying that yeah, because let me I, done say been, this. I done been on the sideline and had to do that. In the middle of a game, because I still believe that if you can get anything going at your post position early or midway, everything else starts to open up. Because Tyler is a pretty good free throw shoot. Yes. So, so with the loss to SMU, the Cougars fall of four and twelve overall and zero and five in the American. So, it should, being winless in conference, it should be the foundation of the rest of the league. Being the holding. <laughs> holding up everybody else in the league. But gentlemen, colleagues, yeah. brothers, uh, Sunday afternoon, okay. instead of being at Hoffman's to watch U of H and SMU, I was at Rice inside Tudor Fieldhouse to watch the Rice women play in North Texas. I saw your tweets. I am glad I was there. You witnessed Those that. two teams put on a hell of a show. The game went triple overtime. Final yeah. score, Rice won 100-97. Um... Let's see, uh, Maya Hawkins for Rice was named National Player of the Week in one poll. Yeah. And then another poll, North Texas player was named Player of the Week. Yeah. That shows you what we're dealing with. Um, this game went back and forth. Lee wasn't too big. It was great execution on offense, big time shots being made. Maya Hawkins draining three pointers. It was it was a fun game to watch. And, and let me get it right because I want to pronounce her name correctly. I was tweeting her, her name for North Texas because I was there to uh, see North Texas head coach Daley Mitchell, who has been on Cynthia Cooper's previous staffs and is good friends of Coach Janetta Hayes Perry of TSU. And I had let Daley know that I would be that I'd try to stop by to see the, to see them play. So I'm glad I was there. I'm glad I was there, except the fact the game went triple overtime. And cut into my time, my plans to get ready for the Rockets and the Pacers. Right. Wait, wait, hold on now. So, it's, it's, which was a, now? I know you love both. Which was better, as far as your time being spent Sunday? Rockets and Pacers. 
Kelsey Kreiner, is, Kelsey Kreiner is her name for North Texas. And listen to this stat line. 34 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds against Rice. 34 points, 10 assists, and 9 rebounds for Kelsey Kreiner, including clutch free throws, big-time threes. It was a well-played game, and I'm sure folks in attendance who were at that game will, will agree it was one of the best games that I've seen in person. I think it's a long, the longest game I've been to in person, especially when in the Twitter era. I've not been to a triple overtime game. So, you know, this is coming off seeing last Monday the thriller between Kansas and OU. When I told everyone who listened to the podcast, be ready, one versus two. Actually, the different polls had both team number one. One, yeah. It was one versus one. One versus two. Some polls had both. It was a hell of a game. One. So, yeah, one versus one. So and, and it li- It's one of the few games that you see in time where it actually lived up to the billing, you know? Yep. And if you haven't seen Oklahoma's Buddy Hill play, young you, fella you're put missing on, out. He, he put on a show. You're missing out. 46 points. There's some good basketball being played. And let me see if I have, get the attendance for the Rice-North Texas game. 508 at Rice-North Texas 878 at U of H SMU. Are we going back to the to the marketing situation on on on? Us, that, that's part of it, but also you, you touched on it. We talked about HPU administration. It starts from the top. Well, that's true. That's true. You know, you got to have an AD and a president that that, that cares. And I mean, that, they and gotta, not only that, then you talking about the care. I think it's past care because I think that it's dangerous when you look at it. It's it they care because you wouldn't have a team if you didn't care. But it's what you're alluding to. It's really do you have individuals that would put an emphasis on going above and beyond to make sure that the women have a quality game? And part of having a quality game is not only turning on the lights and making sure everything mm-hmm. is there and mm-hmm. is in place for them to play the game. But also making sure that there are individuals there to celebrate what they're doing on the court. So I think that's where some of this is lost, unfortunately. And, and it has to be a concerted effort to go the extra mile in regards to getting people in the seats. And a lot of this, when you're talking about 508, obviously you're talking about the break, but you don't even, essentially, you're not really having even students involved. Yeah, very few students are at Rice. There's a lot of. Fans, uh, North Texas fans, a lot of green worn inside Tudor Fieldhouse. And just want to tie a few things together. UConn attendance at U of H was about 1,500 on Friday night, despite all the rain. And some U of H, and I hope someone's listening from U of H can really give me an answer for this. I am not sure of the parking situation when it comes to women's basketball games at U of H. Because there are folks driving around, not sure where to park. And there was no one really to direct them where to park. Wow. Uh, now that's not good at all. Because that means you the have, thing you I have would, no security. Uh, hold on, Doc. Uh, uh, you have no security in the parking lot. None. And that is not a good thing at night for anyone, male or female. I don't care where you're playing games at. You're on somebody's campus. Like you said, really anywhere you're playing at. And you have no security. You have no directions. Nobody's standing out there to. With, I mean, there were folks who did park in the garage, but there were some folks. One parking lot was full. Folks had to. I ended up parking down in the football stadium. 
So there were folks, you know, parked. I got a problem find with space. that. Well, that that's, that's, that's and it's not, a, it's not a good look. If it's, if that was someone's first time coming to a game. Okay. Especially over there. And then they're having questions about where to park. They're not coming back. And the product not not that good. So go ahead, Doc. Well, the other part I think is important. There is a component of leadership and marketing where at some point you have to listen uh, to your fan base. And at some point, if there is a time period where it's obvious that people have what they perceive as more important things to do, then part of this is on the institution and the conference to look at when they schedule games as well. So I don't want to put just total onus on the institution and the marketing component where I think a lot of it is, but there's also some blame to go around for those individuals similar to what you talked about last week that really came out further uh, with individuals just saying, hey, we're going to put this down your throat and you need to like it about the football. Not that I want to get into any too much of that conversation, but that's another example where people decided they were going to do what they wanted to do, and the expectation was is the fans need to get on board. Right. And that's dangerous when you get in that component as a marketing person. Uh, your product or whatever, even your services, is that you still have to make sure that you're listening to people in terms of what they want, ultimately. And to tie it up, we've got to talk about the HBU men who are 3-0 and yeah. in conference for the first time. Uncharted territory. They're playing well. They're playing very well. Post-play again. Post-play. Uh, big ben, big uh, man Josh Ibarra, that's yeah. his name, right? Yes, yes. Skilled, very skilled doc. We talk about he understands his, Keanu his, Vines. For TSU being old school center, low post. Die. Josh is an old school big man. Yeah. Like HBU men's basketball. Keeps the ball up, rebounds. Makes moves. He can block out and feet. hold his position, which I see very little of elsewhere. And well, they're 8 and 7 overall. So yes. they're, they're, they're have a winning record at 3 and 0 in conference, as we said. The next game is against the Nichols on uh, Wednesday. And they got some youngsters that's coming through, uh, especially that uh, are going to add to this team's contribution before the season is over with. I, I can see a couple at least at the uh, four and the five spot. And Josh is 6'11", 250, Doc, from Angleton. 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 Six what? 6'11", 250. Angleton. And, Doc, he's been like that for a while. Angleton. Angleton, Texas. People! He eating a lot of good steaks out there. But now, and KG and I mentioned that for a reason. Folks have been hollering about, can't find a post play. Am I, am I, am I wrong? And let, right. me, let me pat my pat my my colleagues on the on the back as well. Josh was named to the Guy V. Lewis Greater Houston Player of the Year Award preseason watch list when he was in high school. So we do know a few things about the area talent. I, I, I rest right, my Mr. case. Jim Hicks. Cheat I rest sheet. my case. So, <clears throat> but yes. Western like they didn't know. And he, he is, he, Josh, and when you, HBU played U of H uh, last year at Hall Fines in Josh, that was Josh's freshman year. I saw then his potential and his skill set. So kudos to Coach Cottrell and the staff for getting him over to HBU and, and molding him and working on his skills and refining his game. He's putting up about 11 points a game in 21 minutes. Shooting, so he's averaging about eleven and six and a half rebounds in twenty-one minutes. So uh, that's pretty good numbers. That's nice. You take that. 
and a, and a block as well, block, about a block and a half. Oh, you just so, throw that in. So, yeah, I just toss it out yeah. there. You know. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just saying for those folks who say we can't find big men with skills, well, if you look in the right places, maybe you could. So <clears throat> That's true. That, that that's the, oh, that, that's angle to Texas, folks. Just going to throw that out there, you know. But Wildcat. Yep. Let me pull this up real quick. The uh, NCAA stats folks announced their uh, – the RPI today for men's and women's basketball. Let me see. And segregating as well was announced, I think, on CBS's website also. But I'm going to touch on this real quick because I was invited to participate in the men's mock selection for the first time coming up in February in Indianapolis. And I feel certain that a local school will probably be discussed. be discussed. I'm talking about my alma mater. Yes, they're 13 and 2. Their RPI is currently 128. So are uh, they uh, a line 6? 128. Are they a 4-5 and 6 line or a further down? The... 128. There's 68 teams in the, in the tournament. Like I said. You know, you got you and I just. If you about, ask me right now if they're one of the sixty-eight best teams in the country, I'd have a hard time saying yes. Okay. Now, <laughs> now, I, 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 I asked the question. I asked because the question. one of the things we're going to ask us to do is name the thirty-six at-large teams. Because was it 36, 30, yeah, thirty-two yeah, yes. division conference yeah. champions and thirty-six at-large? Right. I'm not sure you've eight to one on thirty-six at-large teams right now. They need to be that to me twice. Yeah. And point blank. They have a lot of room to make up. But part of that is like we said earlier. Part of that is going to be about the schedule. That non-conference yeah. schedule was subpar. And that, and the fact that you mentioned. And dominated by. You, you mentioned, you mentioned have, Saturday. That, 13 uh, and 2. Of those 15 games, 10 were at home. You mentioned part also. Part of the schedule is going on the road because the road component has a higher percentage when you win on the road than you do playing at home. That's right. But you mentioned something the other night, though, that. Uh, uh, when you start looking at this, the AC is, is a one bid league. Yeah, it's one bid. Because now, keep in mind, been, it's SM, been a while. SMU, SMU's RPI is six, and they can't go, and they're undefeated. And correct, they cannot go because of the postseason ban. So because they can't go, the rest of the conference. Let me just real quick. And they're pretty much like what Texas Southern was a couple of years back. Uh, that could go to the conference tournament, but Man, and that, wow. that's it. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that the American had. Yeah, that's what. That's so here we go. SMU has six RPI. It's a true football conference now. Now let me go. Okay, <laughs> number two RPI in the in the American is Tulsa. Wow. Number two, as of today, guess what their RPI is? Rank number second second highest RPI in the conference. Guess what the RPI is? It ain't that much better than U of H. I can tell you. Throw it out there. Come on, guess. I'm so a, that means a hundred and no, 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 not that bad. It's not that bad. So I'm going I'm, I'm to go with my, my usual number. It's I was going to say 76. I said 93. It's 64. It is? 64 oh, for so Tulsa. right on the edge. Okay. They're 10 and 6. Now, notice the disparity. Disparity. They're 10 and 6. You raised 13 and 2. They played a much tougher conference. Thank you. Okay. Number three. UConn. UConn is ranked in the top 25. Their RPI is 82. For a while, that they were just receiving votes. Though. They're eleven to four. Like no, that's that's the polls, top twenty-five polls in the RPI at today. UConn is ranked eighty-second, third. That's third best in the American. Fourth, 
Temple, 86. Now keep in mind, U of A blasted Temple in Philly at Temple by 27 points. Ooh, yes. But their RPI is 86. Temple's record is 8 and 6. Much tougher skills. Thank you. Next, number five, Cincinnati, RPI of 90. 12 and 5. Tougher skills. Six, Memphis. They sent a clear message. 117 RPI, 10 and 5. Seven, now we get to U of H, 128 RPI, but they have the best record of all those folks except that's used undefeated. 13 and 2, but the RPI is 128. And then we get to number eight, UCF, 196. Number nine, East Carolina, 198. Number 10, South Florida, yeah. 234. And then 11, Tulane at 260. So I think we have, what, three teams with RPIs lower than 100? Mm-hmm. Mm. One bid league. That that's, means that's the conference adds up to be. champion is going to be representative of the American Athletic Conference, unless things change. Uh, and unless you be an SMU in conference, in the eyes of the committee, yeah, you're, you're, you're not, not going to get any quality anything. wins in conference. Yeah, you're not doing anything. So that's, that's food yeah, that, for thought, that, um, points that, to ponder. Like I said, I'll be in the mock collection exercises. That tough loss by uh, UConn at, at, at SMU when they let them come back this past Saturday really hurt. So that's, I, I feel UConn certain is. that U of H is going to be – U of H could go – could be one of those teams from back in the day, a few years ago, like a Murray State, somebody like that, 28-4, and four, right. and be at home. Yeah, losing championship game. And yep. No. They actually could uh, – well, yeah, that's true because uh, even with a regular season, best you can do is NIT. That's not good. Well, you, you I mean, got you got to, the you you got the postseason play, which is a no, play. no. This is your famous word. This is a you problem. You, you know, decided to make that schedule, and everybody in the world has told you. That's true. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, you skin it. You you hang it by your, your your nails and all, and your nails is breaking off. So, like I said, <laughs> when I I quoted a tweet earlier today that U of H is one twenty eight, had a reply telling me that U of H in the Sagan ratings is seventy three seventy four. That's that's nice to know. But that ain't, it, that's not the one they use. It's not really the go-to tool that the NCAA uses when we they do their choices, as Wildcat I know on the women's side. <laughs> the men's side is going to be different. I'm looking forward to seeing the differences. I'm going to write about it on a blog post. And things have changed because when we went the first few times on the men's, women's side, there wasn't this – Social media wasn't as big then. Mm-hmm. You couldn't tweet and blog, you know, write right. blog posts. Right. It was all right. hush hush. You couldn't take pictures and all that kind of stuff. It's yeah. like you were, you yeah. know, we, it was like you it, were closed off it, in the world. Yeah, it, everything now had, had, it's everything different. had to be done once you got back to the hotel and all the sense stuff out. So now you can. They, I think they're going to encourage us to use, use hashtags, specific hashtags about everything. So I'll do all that kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. So we'll, Periscope. we'll, see, I, well, I don't know. We'll find out about that. So they don't want us. I mean. That's bad. If they do, it would be, you know, the NCA folks yeah, doing that, them, doing you know, doing that. It won't, yeah, it won't be for us to do. So just throwing it out there. And I have that now. So we'll see how it all plays out. But, yes, so keep that in mind that U of H and, you know, with a gaudy record. Could get a shot. It has a 128 RPI. At the NIT. And 
Right now, that, that's what that's what they. I mean, I mean, I'm being honest. I'm being honest. That that, that could happen. And that's fine with me right now because you have. That's what I expected. Is NIT this year? You, 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 Next year, going to the tournament, the NCAA tournament. That's what I expect. Yeah, and I think they have the talent. They have the coaching, obviously. I think the next part of the puzzle is to get a couple more recruits and step step it up in scheduling. And you add those pieces together. Even if you split, if you play, you know, six, let's say even four tougher games, and you split those games, you're still in a better position than if you played four, and I hate to do this because we can use the money with the HBCU programs that they play, but you you, you got to schedule better than the only The only HBCU program you've actually played is TSU. I agree. Yeah. And Prairie View every now and then. Every, every now and then, you know, because that is good competition. Yeah. Local interest. Fans, you get good crowds. Yeah. yeah. But for that person who cited Sagarin ratings for U of H basketball being 73-74 in comparison mm-hmm. to the 128, Jeff Sagarin also does football yeah. ratings. S- season's over. Guess where the 13-1 Cougars are in his, his Sagarin ratings? 13-1 football team, U of H football team, team that mashed Florida State in the Peach Bowl. Guess where he is? And has I was them. there. It ain't good. 15? Nope. 20? 20 what? Five. Wait, hold on, hold on. Stop right there. Stop right there. Stop right there. 20. 25? Stop right there. 21. There is no way that the team I watched dismount Florida State up close and personal, and the man says 21. That's what I'm telling you. Based on his formula, what he uses, he has them ranked 21. Uh, so this is the same, the like I said, I saw. if you're going to give me this same person to tout the basketball team, it's the same guy who said the football team of your school is only 21. I saw a totally different team than he did. I did. And I was sitting right there. So I, I think you're getting an, an, an indicator of why the NCAA uses a wide variety of of resources for the rankings of uh, the tournament selections. Because it's not the Cougars' March fault Madness. that quarterback, the Florida State's quarterback didn't survive his injuries well, uh, that the uh, quarterbacks that were brought in weren't uh, capable of uh, holding on and trying to get some momentum going. Because one of the guys, one of the quarterbacks that came in basically Looked at this situation like, okay, I'm getting my shot. Then realized like, oh, okay, this is not my, this is not my time. I, I, I'm not I'm not supposed to be out here right now with with everything looking at me. It, it's just not it's, it's just not my time. And quickly was removed and wasn't seen back out on the floor again. So I mean, out on on the field. But they 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 gave it an effort shot. You know, a a, a, a a pretty good shot. They McGuire came back out, attempted. But he, because he couldn't plant his foot and get uh, get some air up under the ball, and then when he did get some air, it was too much air, <laughs> and you gave up shots. And to wrap it up, that same Jeff Sagarin rating has sort of think football team ranked eleventh. And now I'm gonna ask this question: U of A football ranked twenty-first. Florida State is eleventh. The key is gonna be who gets to the combine and how many. Because Florida State does have at least the team that was out there that particular night, that particular afternoon, 
they do have at least seven guys that that's got that that'll that'll be on be playing on Sunday. I, I mean, it's, it's 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 no doubt about that. Now, but when you look at what transpired during that game, especially in that first half when they got you know the second quarter, I put it like that when they got dismounted. Yeah, you ever made that move and all that. Yeah, and, and, I think that's that's a great point. But I also think in football sometimes the number of players you have with the quality that you're talking about having the chance to take the next level, I think also is important to, to look at where they are in terms of the positions. Because football obviously right. is about I, numbers, I, I but agree. it's also about key positions and what the person is. And I think what you saw in that game, a lot of it was the quarterback play. And trust me, it was head and shoulders on young Dr. Ward because that's what he did. He was a doctor that day. And I thought that was really the difference in the game is U of H got much better quarterback play and and they were even deeper at the quarterback position in terms of when they went to the bench. Obviously it was based on injury, but the quarterback came in and made a key injury. play in right. some additional big plays, which was essentially a different game. And one now, team just had much better quarterback play. Uh, while the other team may have had more players at the key skill positions. Right. Well, so you can't get them the ball. Right. That's true. It doesn't matter. Uh, the other thing that, and now that the season's over with, I can say this. U of H was, the teams they were playing against, especially toward the last four to five games, or well, the last five games of the, of the season, including the uh, Peach Bowl, with a totally rebuilt offensive line. And that comes from, one, coaching. Two, finding uh, guys to 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 buy in, as Coach Herman says, to what know your role, understand what you need, what what's going on, and just get it done, and don't be worried about other things. Just just do what you do your job. That's all you got to do. Just do your job. And that rebuilt offensive line. And I'm saying that because it was. They had a lot of guys to go down. Uh, matter of fact, that's uh, that's one of the reasons why they uh, Ward was in the situation he was in uh, when he got hurt. They had just re- just re- it was the first time they did, they uh, redid the line, and that was in the middle of a game, so you didn't have time to kind of like just work a practice in and, and get some things done. But once they got situated, I liked the way what I saw well, on that on that coaching staff. Keep, this, keep this in mind, Commissioner Michael Resco told both both of us. Speaking of. That uh, at the time he was concerned about yes U of H's offensive line because there were so many injuries. This is that media day for basketball in October. Yeah. Man. So the commissioner was making that point then. Yeah. yeah. And that was probably what six games into the season. Many people, hell, I, I know I said on podcast, I didn't see I didn't see how the Cougars would hold up because the line was just such a makeshift shape. And right. I remember that shows you and, and many of how great the coaching staff people yeah. were moving down. Yeah, it, it does the, give a lot of credit to the ability to get players to play up. The, the two games that kind of uh, and the ability were, were to have players just, ready to go. Uh, just defensive wise, was Memphis and Cincinnati just because of the the, the difference in U.S.'s offensive line at that point and Memphis and Cincinnati's defensive front having the ability. To not allow push to happen because it was uh, they were uh, out uh, a lot bigger, you know, just, just physically wise. But when it came to just you know just mentally overpowering, U of H was able to get that done. Now, mind you, we all three of us know that 
Florida State, they were definitely a, 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 a sizable type uh, outman and outgun as far as defensive fronts. But when U of H needed to do what they needed to uh, get things done, make a, as, as I said earlier, make a play, quarterback said, all right, let's make a play. Let's, let's, let's just move the ball and let's get downfield, boom. But let's look at this. U of H, 13-1, season's over. So much p- positivity, publicity. Coach Herman is, is and you gotta in the jump news. On you got to jump on You know, that. almost daily with uh, – he got another award for in, in, in the last two days. You know, first uh, first year coach of the year today. They open up the season twenty sixteen season versus Oklahoma. Yep, it's gonna be on. It's, it's, no, no, it's hard to top what they did this season. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. Yes, it is. No, it ain't. When you listen to Coach Hammer, you and you buy into what he's trying to do. It, it ain't I mean, and you no, can no. believe in it, but I think as you're saying, it's hard. Winning to is duplicate. hard. It's hard to duplicate. That's what I mean. That's, that's what makes teams, teams that try to go back teams, and back right. winning championships. It's hard to it's win. It's hard to win. It's hard to sustain it. It becomes even more challenging. That's what makes great programs. That's why we elite programs. That's elite. why we love programs that are able to do it year and in and to year. say that they're able to do this when they're a year ahead of the schedule. I said I think it's a lot. I think also it was intriguing as you talk about all the positive publicity is the kind of negative report that just came up with the radio uh, incident. Mm-hmm. I won't even name the radio station in this case. And and I hadn't had time to. to so I'm not going to comment. He kind of had it back and forth. I don't think that was a good look, but that's just a small blip on the radar. But some some alums, old school alums, thought, thought it was a bad look. Well, I think folks, it's definitely a bad look. Some look. folks loved it because he defended his program and instead of fourth players. So, you know, it, it depends on your perspective. That's a good point. So, you know, I know one of the guys involved at that station and known him for years through, through basketball connections and stuff. So, and a lot of us, a lot of people believe that the source, his source was one of his former players, basketball players, on the AAU circuit. So, the biggest issue, obvious issue was if he heard this reported, why not simply contact Coach Herman, call him on the phone, and ask, and it, ask him point blank. Yep. This is what I'm hearing. This is what I heard. Can you confirm it or verify? It was almost like a gotcha moment. Because I hadn't heard. I, 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 no, he had put it out there, and so they were talking about it, and Herman called in the station, and they kind of got it in the back and forth. Um, he basically yeah, then they saying that him, why you didn't call me. They would let him answer the questions. They, they kept it cut cut them short, you know, yeah. and it was just, so it was it was heated. Yeah, yeah. And he uh-huh. tried, you know, tried to bring in other local media involved, and and that was just all kinds of funny stuff. And Coach Coach Herman's analogy was kind of strange to me from what, from what you know. You have, you'd have to read okay, it. Like I am. I, I, I'm gonna yeah, go ahead. It's I worth, just had it's time. To, certainly worth that. Was it, was it a long? A long segment, a segment, or a short segment. Google it. Uh, it's pretty long. Oh no, I, 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 it was I, intense. It, it's been, it's been the, sent the, to the, me. Is what comes to mind to me. It was intense. And then he went on another station the day after, FM dial, and, and that was much better conversation, much better interview. Uh, again, depending on your perspective, yeah. if if you are friends of the previous station, that you you thought the FM station. Was handling with care gloves, but if you were a U of H alum, you thought it was, it was a great interview. Like I said, it depends on your perspective. 
So yeah. I heard the FM interview because I was in the car coming back from coming coming home from work, and that was much more traditional interview of an interview. It wasn't <laughs> a, a, a yell fest. He said, "You know, who are you? You know, why? You know, all kinds of stuff." It was an actual interview. Instead of a shouting contest, so it wasn't a point in your, in your it wasn't a finger in your chest so, type you know, situation. It, it, so for the sec, on the second interview, right? Okay. So it was you know like us, but again, depending, depending on, on your yeah, perspective, yeah. which what, where you're coming from, you know, we could talk about A and M and the problems they're having in football and and the shakeup. It's the shakeup they're having in football. Hey, let, 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 I'm gonna say this because uh, I got uh, while you're sitting in the airport waiting for uh, a. Uh, in between flights while you're waiting. You hear a lot of conversation oh, yeah. out between schools and stuff. Oh, I'm going to yeah. say this. People talk about what's going on at, at, at you know, what's transpiring at A&M. Florida has had five quarterbacks right behind each other to move. And <coughs> one has land, is, is over at, at one of those kids that left. Yeah, I don't, I, don't is, think, is at, I don't think this is as bad a deal for Texas A&M as people that are looking at it that are right here emotional on it. If you really look at the last right. I think there's a couple of things. And for me, I see it more as a positive. You have a lot more educated young people that really are starting to understand the business and what they provide them op- their, their own opportunity. Okay. Meaning they understand if the only way I'm going to usually make it to the next level is I play. Uh, I come in, I made my, my years. If I graduate early, so a lot of them are crouching down, taking that thing. That means I give myself options at the end. Uh, I understand if a kid is hot and he's playing now that it, it's less likely I'm going to play. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of kids, and you have the fact that coaches are vultures. That's true. So they're finding a way around this, and they're whispering kids when they need a quarterback. So the loyalty, uh, in my opinion, never was there because programs really didn't do it. And it's even less there now because the players are starting to figure out that they don't have to do it. Right. And they're going within the rules to do it, uh, which is just the landscape of where we are. So players want to play. Uh, they overhyped a lot of times. They think they didn't play. Bingo. So being, so being patient is not a part of the Y generation. There you did, Dan. That's the second bingo. So I think there's some on both sides, positive and negative in regards to players having more affirmation in terms of them having more control, which I'm a proponent for. And then you also have the fact that you have some kids that uh, feel a little more enamored in terms of where they are uh, in the marketplace and probably not as patient as they entitled uh, should be. And is a word that a lot of folks have used on now, and, and, right? Which is yeah, I think they throw it out there. Not some some cases that's, that's correct, of, but again, it's kind of as you said earlier with the coach. It's kind of which perspective yes. you coming from. Yes, uh, if you promise me the moon, then all of a sudden I get there and you. And, the moon uh, and all day, it, you used to, be able to say, "Don't worry about what I promised to get you here." Just right. looking at the I stars. I think that's a little bit about you too. Yes. How much of that is entitlement, based on the fact that you promised me something that you no longer are honoring? Exactly. You know who whose fault is that? So again, a lot of that's perspective, and a lot of that to me, I, I'm careful because it's kind of chalk talk because it's easy to beat up on the less empowered person. Thank you. Uh, the disenfranchised, if you would. You want to touch on the article you sent me in the Washington Post about the uh, sports agent saying the players have more power and they need to use it? And who, who agent it was? The, co- the college that, players. As far as I was going to save that further down. Okay. But, okay. But we can, we can get, get into, into that. It. Yeah, get into that now. 
so, yeah, but uh, it's, it's interesting. Well, uh, Doc and I touched on a little bit last week in the in I think Waka, you've seen the article as well. Mm-hmm. Some of the articles about all this money coming in yeah. to universities and going into the salaries of support staff, my, my reference athletic was directors and strength coaches and things of that sort. They continue to tell the public that there is no money, money to, to pay right. the student athletes. Yet the staff continue to grow by tens, twenties, thirties from ten years ago. The staffs are this huge. The salaries, I love one of the quotes in the in the post is that A D for UCLA or Michigan salary almost tripled for doing the same job he did ten years ago. <laughs> and that's a great that's a great gig. Hey, you can do the exact same right. job, you get a salary triples. And all you did was kept get one, kept the money flowing. Two, didn't embarrass the university. Three, you kept your nose out of the out of the it's 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 out of everything. And four, which is most important, you smile in front of the cameras every day, answer the question every now and then. And didn't give out a whole lot of information. And it was almost put like goobly goop, baby talk, pablum that somebody says when it when it when you needed to just like, okay, no problem. Who are you, sir? I, How can folks find you? One of the things I hold did want to jump in. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Watch All right. Yeah. So in my uh, most recent uh interview World Traveler. <laughs> yeah, it's been that it's been that way. Uh December was a long month for me. Uh and I'm thankful for it, especially the doc and his uh, helpfulness and getting me to the celebration bowl. Uh, it, it's interesting uh, that you know I got a lot. Uh, I witnessed a lot of games, both football and basketball last month, bowls especially. And you can find my latest interview with Coach uh, uh, Janetta Hayes Perry of the Texas Southern Tigers. Later Tigers win over Prairie View. She talks about that uh, that game post game. And set up the next one. Uh, they're getting ready to go out on the road, and she's kind of happy that they've got some time and all in between to correct some things. And as we all mentioned earlier about the turnover situation, she's looking to kind of like, you know, she sets goals for the teams, and they're starting to get that away. But you can find that at aksvzcsrblogspot.com. You can find my other uh, uh, information online, social media. Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, Jerry L. Woodley Jr., J.L. Woodley 1, SoundCloud, AKSV, VCSR. On my last uh, interview that I, uh, I posted to SoundCloud, it was with the American Athletic Conference Commissioner Mike Oresco immediately after the trophy presentation at the Peach Bowl. And his exact words, as you you will hear, this puts this game this tonight puts a ribbon it puts a bow on the ribbon for the season for this conference. He was very happy with what he saw in Atlanta, and so was everyone else. And he should be considering. But we cannot we cannot. I am a proud U of H alum, thrilled to death at the Peach Bowl victory. Conference went two and six in bowl games. 
Did he, C- did he acknowledge C- that? C- Cincinnati and Memphis. It's did he acknowledge that? Yeah. It would, it, 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 the season was great until both seasons started. Right. Everything, you know, it, 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 and all, but he he stayed with the positive. He stayed. Oh, as he should. He On the record. The yeah. On the record. Uh, yeah. That, there's, that, there's, that, there's, there's work that, to do. Now, mind you, the covers, like we had those offers. Uh, oh, offers, yes. Because, and we had those, he and I had those too, because like Jerry put his hand on my shoulders, we kind of like talk. i like, okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm done. Yeah. And, folks, he's prepared to do some things, you know, to kind of like keep the conference moving because now that the American has made a jump in being able to fulfill his bowl, his bowl obligations and you eventually being able to do what they did, he's hoping that the, the conference doesn't fall back. He's he's looking. He's hoping that it, it doesn't fall back to mediocrity. He's looking forward to next season to see where teams will go. We're making a jump moving forward. He needs UCF to get good again. Trust me, quickly. That, he the, needs the, UCF. That was a conversation. USF. That was a conversation. I I will say that. I will say that. That that is a true conversation because what happened to Memphis and Cincinnati shouldn't have happened. Because let's be realistic. We expect U of H to be good again next year. Not a, no no question. Right. You know, with barring injuries to quarterbacks, two, three deep yeah. running backs, you know, stuff like that. And you and you and U of H will be good again next year, especially in absolutely. conference. And and you if you got a, and you got one sitting to come in after Correct. So you got a continuity. So Kyle in, Allen transferred, made that official. So they will be they should represent the West Division. Navy be good again, but they won't be as good because Keenan Reynolds is gone. Right. And they got to find another Hall of Famer. You know, that's, he's a once-in-a-lifetime quarterback. That's right. So Navy should take a step back. But U of H, will, that division is U of H's division. For the national perspective, you get USF or UCF to be good, especially UCF because they have big bowl game history and won. Won, yeah. You and, set and up U of H, UCF play in the conference championship game, that changes things. Changes things. It gets folks really watching, putting eyeballs on your conference. Damn, this guy, this this conference is pretty damn good. And, because UVA's come off a Peach Bowl win. UCF come off of a, a what, I don't know what bowl it was called at the time, you know, Power Six, whatever yeah. bowl it was. That that would be a big time coup for the conference because for sure, the winner of that game. Would be in the New Year's Six Bowl, and just more and more momentum, building, building, build, because despite what people want to say, and I'm sure you won't say it on the record, on the record for sure. Folks, other conferences are looking at U of H, so U of H has. If it doesn't happen soon, the next few months, because January 15th, this Friday, will be a decision. They, the, the conferences are meeting to determine if they want to have allow uh, teams that don't have. 12, at least 12 members to have a conference championship game, and that's going to open up some stuff if they decide. Because if they tell the Big 12, you got to have 12 teams to have a conference championship game. Some some wheels may be put in motion about doing some things in terms of realignment. So I just, a whole bunch of things. People are looking at U of H now because of their football success, the stadium, the facilities are getting better, Coach Herman. Is building the culture. Yeah. So just keep all that in mind. He basically pulled it off. To he basically pulled off the H-Town Local media, takeover. including these podcasts. He pulled it off. To keep you informed, listeners. Doc, you ready now? Lay some models on the folks. 
Yes, definitely. The last article that we were referencing that I did want to get into, and it's probably good to go ahead and get into it now, is College Sports Exploits Unplayed Black Athletes, uh, which is a similar uh, point that you've heard earlier, but it in this one they talk about, but they could force a change. And this article talks about a lot that we know, that there's a disproportionate black football and basketball players are making uh, disproportionately white administrators and coaches rich. Again, disproportionately Black football and basketball players are making disproportionately white administrators and coaches rich. So you can Google this. It's on the Washington Post. And this article comes from Donna H. Yee. Um, let me make this clear. Donald Yee is a lawyer and partner with uh, Yee and Dubbin Sports, which represents professional athletes and coaches, including New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady and New Orleans uh, Saints head coach Sean Payton. So uh, he knows the business of sports, and he obviously gets paid to make sure people get their fair share. And he sees in colleges that that doesn't exist. He talks about uh, Clemson that's playing in the game tonight is going to get $6 million each, uh, as well as Alabama, as well as their conferences are going to get that type of money. He talks about the, the Delaware Headquarter Corporation that separated uh, them from uh, the NCAA takes in about 470 million dollars uh, each uh, year from ESPN. Where it really gets interesting, we've heard about the money in regards to uh, the teams. We we pretty much beaten that down and we understand that clearly. But there's also the fact that we've heard a little more about this, but it kind of gets taken in and out, is that Dabo Sweeney, uh, the head coach of Clemson, will make 3.3 million, uh, made 3.3 million, I say, last year, and obviously he's going to do really well this year. His chief of staff makes $252,000. Chief of staff. We're still trying to figure out what that title really means. I mean, you have chief of staff uh, at the president's level, uh, but I guess now football and basketball are that important. They have their own chief of staff. That We'll go from that. We know that Nick Saban is the highest out there, and he makes $7 million. His strength and conditioning coach makes six hundred k. So that, uh, that And he almost huge. got both eyes. Somebody tried to at least. Yeah, and so you have nearly $1 billion a year in unpaid labor. In NCA makes nearly $1 billion a year from unpaid labor. Let me make sure that that's stated again. And so he states, and I agree, that this is the NCA hypocrisy. And let me make this statement because I think it's very clear and really gets to the point that I often like to make, and he's right there on the money, in my opinion, with this in these states. But after a year when Black Lives Matter protests spread across the country, and at the end of the season when the football team at the University of Missouri helped force the resignation of the school's top two administrators over how the campus handled race-related incidents, we need to stop ignoring the racial implications of the NCAA's hypocrisy. Uh, I hope people really think about this a little closer. Uh, there's another sentence in here that I think is very important. By refusing to pay athletes, the NCAA isn't just perpetuating a financial injustice. It is also committing a racial one. And that is huge when you talk about those things, is the fact that they know what's going on. And historically, in another podcast, I'll show you the historical connection between what is taking place and what is going on now. But I, th I think it is extremely uh, unfortunate that we have decided that college athletes must remain amateur. They don't even use the term anymore. 
because Olympics is amateurs, but they can still able to do take professional players. That they look at it, this this is a college of athlete experiment, and for because this is how we always did it doesn't mean that it's right. Particularly when you look at all the financial means that is taking place here. So I would urge you to uh, check out this article. I think it is well written. Uh, does a lot of framing of what we've talked about on this podcast and what I've introduced in my classes. And so the last thing I will leave, leave you with, why is the business model unpaid labor, mostly by black athletes generating riches for white administrators still tolerated? And the part that I add to it, not only are they generating uh, financial wherewithal for white administrators, they also are generating wherewithal for white um, players, in a lot of cases, white women in non-Olympic sports and giving them a free education and opportunity. I shouldn't say free education, but giving them the education on a scholarship. Uh, and to me, that's just not right. In any other playbook, if we took this outside of sports, we would suggest um, that this is welfare. And there are so many people that don't believe in welfare out there. But it's okay when it's sports welfare. Why is that? Of course, you know, when when professional franchises ask for money from cities to, you know, move, build arenas, build stadiums, et cetera, et cetera, they want all this, what you can do for me, that's what it's called. It's not, it's a corporate handout. It's corporation this. Mm-hmm. But if, if you or I ask for some money, you're looking for some welfare. I'm not a billionaire, but it's okay for the billionaire to ask for tax subsidies and things like this to get a stadium built. But it's not okay for me to, you know, so the hypocrisy, just it goes all the way down on all kinds of levels. Doc, who are you? How can folks find you, sir? Yes, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, professor at Texas Southern University, sports professor, associate professor at Texas Southern University, teaching sports management, just presented at the... Black Student Athlete Summit in Austin last week, a conference that was down there, and presented on Texas Southern University using open system theory to talk about the reframing of how Texas Southern University, under the leadership of Dr. Charles McCulloch, made a change from having essentially the lowest APR in this country, once some would say ever recorded, to being above average in terms of what they're doing and out of penalty with the APR and graduating students. So I think uh, a lot of kudos goes to him. He actually presented the research with me along with um, Kevin Granger, who is working on his doctorate now. And so I told him it's important when you look at this to also explain and share with people, particularly on the academic side of what Texas Southern has done to be successful. Don't hold on to it, it's only right that you share uh, the gift that you're able to give to Texas Southern University and its, uh, alums, and most importantly, the students in regards to what they're able to do to move them forward to graduation and hopefully greater things and other opportunities in their life. Any basketball updates, scores you want to give us, final scores on women's side? Yeah, one quick. update I wanted to give particularly was a Saturday score that uh, Alabama State did the UConn to Valley 150. I kind of looked over that, but it just stuck to me when I saw that and Something I want to talk about earlier. The only update I really have on the uh, women's women's side is Alabama State defeated Arkansas Pine Bluff seventy-two to sixty-three. 
I do not have the score relatively available, but I do know that Southern defeated Jackson State on the women's side. The other games being played tonight is Grambling at Alcorn, Mississippi Valley State at Alabama and I do not have any updates on uh, the women's side in terms of those scores, but let me give you a couple of quick updates for the MEAC as it's gotten full swing conference play there. A Hampton, major upset on the women's side for a lot of us. Hampton has come back to earth. Um, 4-12 and 12 overall. Did have one big major upset during the preseason, if you would, or before you got in the conference play. Uh, but they lost 66-59 to FAMU. FAMU is 9-8 overall, 3-1 in the MEAC. Looks like FAMU, the Rattlers, are for real. They do that. The Rattlers go on the road to get that mm. victory. Delaware State. Uh, has a win over Howard, 87-86. Nip and Tuck went back and forth. Great game contest there, obviously, as you can see. Uh, North Carolina A&T, the Aggies, get it done against their cross-state rivals. South Carolina State, 57-54, another well-played contest. And we have one that goes in overtime for the women, which was Morgan State defeating Maryland Eastern Shore, 77-69 in overtime again. Bethune Cookman gets it done against Norfolk State. Norfolk State, the Lady Spartans, a winless 0-14 on the season, 0-4 in the MEAC race. Looks like it's going to be a long season for them as Bethune, Cookman, and Lady Wildcats get it done 53-45. And you have Savannah State Tigers. The women of Savannah State Tigers continue to roll as they win 57-39 over the North Carolina Central Lady Eagles. So those are some scores on the women's side. Give you some scores in the MEAC, which pretty much have closed out for the day. Remember, they're an hour ahead of us, so a lot of times they get... Some scores done. We have a couple of finals I will give you here. Maryland Eastern Shore over Morgan State, 69-65. Morgan State is just not the same Morgan State Bears as they were a couple of years ago. Other Bozeman, they just haven't quite seemed to be able to get the talent. And other teams have raised their talent to get it done. The Howard-Delaware State game, uh, not good news here. It was suspended, 41-38. Uh, it was 10-4 in the second half. So we'll have to give you some updates on what took place there. Um, that uh, sounds unfortunate. Hopefully we can get some better news of why maybe that game was suspended uh, in the second half with the Howard Bison leading the Delaware State uh, Hornets 41-38. to You also have South Carolina State defeating North Carolina A&T 92-85. South Carolina State is rolling, doing some, playing some good basketball, 8-10 overall, 3-1 as they're rolling. Hampton Pirates continue to play big. That's the game that we wish we would have had, and it looming like it would have been a great contest as Hampton is now 8-7, 4-0 in the MEAC, really playing some good basketball, 71-65 over the FAMU Rattlers. And you had North Carolina Central getting back into the winning ways of things as they defeat Savannah State going away, 69-46 to give you some updates uh, and that's my final score and update reports. Again, you can listen to Dr. Ville's Inside HBC Sports Lab tomorrow from 6 to 7 on Ralph Cooper Sports Wrap as we take up the second half to give you a black college sports report. You can listen on the radio, kcohradio.com. Uh, you can also li listen on your app, TuneIn app, KCOH. If you're not able to catch it live, you can go to SoundCloud and catch the podcast version. It's usually out before the end of the week. And that is, again, at Dr. Ville's Inside HBCU Sports Lab regarding your weekly updates on black college sports. 
this part of the season, we're looking at men's and women's basketball. Thank you, Doc. We're going to wrap it up. Wildcat, you have anything in closing you want to add? No. 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 No, it's not worthy. All righty, sir. Let me see if I can We're going to say um, we talked about the Rockets have won three in a row. They're 19-19 overall. Good comeback win Sunday night. Overtime win over the Pacers. 107-103. Once again, you can go to HoustonRombarView.com and read my write-up in the men's hoops blog with some uh, quotes from J.B. Bickerstaff, uh, Coach Fogel for Indiana, as well as James Harden. So you go to HoustonRombarView.com for that write-up there. We can maybe we can talk about the uh, wrap-up the football, college football season after Bama-Clemson game in our next podcast. And little football NFL playoff as well um, in the next podcast also. I don't want to... We'll wait for the next podcast, so I'll talk to you off the air about that. I don't want to throw a curveball at you as we wind it down here. Okay. So I'm going to wrap it up. little teaser there, listeners, you know, for the world traveler. So... Um, Going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.